Well, hello and welcome to Cinesoul Podcast. I'm so excited to launch Cinesoul. My name is Jorge Castellanos. I'm the host. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I've had a lifelong uh, passion for film as an art form. Uh, I'm a lifelong student and lover of cinema. And I love to see films and talk about them with friends and other people that I meet and even the random stranger uh, after I get out of a film if it's been so exceptional for me. So I just thought I'd uh, take those things and and put them into a podcast. I used to have a film discussion group called CineSoul where we'd actually meet in person at a coffee shop and talk about the films that I had suggested we we discuss. And uh, I thought the natural next step would be to take that and transfer it to the web. So I'm going to be inviting one or two people at a time to come and join me to talk about films. And our our perspective is a little different than the usual just uh, film appreciation uh, conversation that you can find in a lot of different places. Basically, the kind of motto for CineSoul is to use cinema to, to explore what matters to us most. And we're we're sort of striving for a deeper conversation. We're using films as a catalyst, really, for that conversation. And it's not unusual for us to, by the end of the conversation, have distanced ourselves from really uh, the film as a catalyst and, and really be exploring subject matters and other things that are really deep and personal and important to us. And we're triggered by our experience of the film. They might have been triggered by the themes the film explored or... Uh, or something aesthetically that the film touched on us and, and led us down a trail that hopefully is a deep and meaningful and personal conversation uh, about what really impacted us and, and what really got to us uh, as a result of watching the film. So I invite you to, to listen and hopefully you'll like what you hear. And I'm excited to uh, have you guys listen to the conversations that uh, we're going to have together with my guests and hopefully get deeper and more involved in the way that we talk about the things that impacted us as a result of seeing films. And I hope that that stimulates you, the listener, to be thinking that way and to have conversations with people that you know about the things that uh, films, uh, the films that you see impact you. So here we go. Welcome to CineSoul, where we use cinema to explore what matters to us most. I'm your host, Jorge Castellanos. So this episode features Lady Bird, a film about teen angst and a mother-daughter relationship written and directed by Greta Gerwig uh, and starring Saoirse Ronan. My guest today is Sarah Matson, a fellow film lover and friend. Welcome, Sarah. I'm happy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Pleasure for you to be here. Let's start uh, with kind of a general question. How did Lady Bird leave you feeling? Lady Bird was an interesting film uh, for me, and I left uh, feeling uh, uh, just a wide range of things. Uh, the topic, mother-daughter relationships, maybe for many women or most women, but for me in particular, it's a it's a very loaded topic. So I remember leaving. I remember being feeling um, grateful that the film was 
not it wasn't dramatizing anything right Mm -hmm. it was just kind of a normal life it was showing normal life in a normal way yeah um but so many emotions came up for me um in response to what you know to the storyline and to the way that was presented um just a lot of feelings and emotions around um sadness about the relationship that i had with my with my mom in you know ways that were similar to to what was portrayed on the film and difference from what was portrayed. Um, Sadness about the relationship with the dad, which was different from what I had with my dad. Um, And also, um, you know, I really could relate to the character in a lot of ways. I grew up in Minnesota and I couldn't wait to get out. I never felt like I belonged in my family. Um, I was very different from my family, I think from a very young age. So I could really relate to that. So I had this feeling of, I could just really relate to that character wanting yeah. to do something bigger, you know, and I could also relate to, to the way that the mother made her daughter feel guilty. Right. It was like this, the parents were doing the best they could and they probably felt guilty that they couldn't do more. Yeah. It left with just a whole array of emotions, right. Yeah. That just really could connect with the themes that were in the film. Yeah. It so, sounded like you yeah. connected with a lot, which yeah. is, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, this film is set in Sacramento, which I've heard described by some people as kind of the Midwest of the California, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Um, did you get a sense of Midwesternness from it, uh, being from Minnesota yourself? Were there like parallels that you could draw? I mean, I don't know Sacramento, but from the film, I would say, I think it was the feeling in the film that um, was this desire to to get away from what felt banal. So I grew up in a suburb of Minneapolis, um, you know, where everybody drove everywhere and there were strip mall after strip mall and there wasn't um, the vibrancy of a city. So I think, I don't know Sacramento well enough. Certainly some of the scenery, the river scenes seemed familiar, but I would say um, it was, it was probably the way that the daughter, you know, that Sarah C. Ronan's character portrayed just found her she found it to be boring she wanted to get away i know that that was my experience growing up and i don't i don't doubt that that's probably not an uncommon experience for everyone in at that age right like oh there's something but i think in terms of the the midwest of california i'd say there certainly are more exciting cities in california things with more vibrancy but i know growing up you know where i did in the suburb of minneapolis and bloomington um i just felt like there had to be more, you know, there was a bigger life out there somewhere. And so for, yeah. for her character, it was like going to the East coast. But for me, it felt like going any, you know, going to the either coast felt like really what I wanted to do to, like. to kind of escape what felt, you know, to find more diversity and more vibrancy in the city um, to have more opportunity. So that certainly felt comparable, you know, very similar to how I felt or my experience of growing up in the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. She, she very much feels like, there's got to be more mm-hmm. to life than this. Mm-hmm. And, and damn it, I'm going to find it. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, and I'd say I, I would give her credit for actually pursuing it because I think they're in the movies. There's a lot of people that are t- trying to convince her like, this is, this is it, or this is all you're going to have, or you're not good enough to achieve, accomplish anything else, but she's, she's determined. And I, I give her credit because I, I know in my experience too, growing up in the Midwest, it was just this, people didn't understand, you know, people didn't understand why, why I'd want to leave. I have, you know, a huge family. I have a lot of cousins. 
with one exception, I have one female cousin who's a year older than me, and she and I are the only two of probably 40 cousins that have left Minnesota. Everybody else lives relatively within probably 20 miles of each other, you know, so there's just this this pressure to to stay, you know, and so. And not only a pressure to stay, but it sounded like a, a real lack of understanding about why you would want to go. Why you'd want to go. Like or, it was just hard for them to to accept it or yeah. understand it. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's a lack of imagination or if it's, for me, it was just, I just didn't feel like I could be my full self back there. I felt like I needed to find something. I needed to go somewhere else. Um, it wasn't even so much about me. It was me being able to be my full self and to find myself. That was kind of, I, I don't think I was aware of it at the time, but that mm-hmm. was probably the underlying feeling. But I also, you know, I, I grew up in a community that was not diverse. Everybody was white. Everybody mm-hmm. was lower to middle, middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody. There were a few exceptions. But um, I knew that there was a bigger world out there, you know, a bigger world of opportunity, a bigger world of ideas, a bigger world of diversity and, you know, all kinds of ways, even just ideas. You know, I grew up in a community that was in Minnesota. It's largely Lutheran, you know, uh, Scandinavian, uh, people kind of believe a lot of the same things. And I just never, I always questioned everything that I was taught and the community that I lived in. And so for me, it was that. So I think I can imagine that Sacramento feels like the Midwest in a certain way, but it's that more of that idea of like thinking, you know, I want to kind of push the boundaries and go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Explore something that's bigger or different or. Yeah. Diverse. Yeah. I think one of the thing that the film highlights obviously is the, is the mother daughter relationship and the characters in the film. I mean, the mom, you know, you can, you can look at her through a certain lens and and just feel like, wow, that's just a really mean person. Mm -hmm. And I think we we find by the end of the film that some of her reaction it is kind of based in the fear of losing her daughter mm-hmm. and worry for whether her daughter's ready to encounter the world in the way that her daughter thinks she is. And I'm wondering what was kind of like the emotional mix for you and your mom uh, back in that day was you, you talk about not feeling understood and, mm-hmm. and people sort of, you know, you were a, sort of the odd person out in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways, and that made you want to explore somewhere else that felt more connected to who you are. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering what the dynamic was between you and your your mom and your dad or the, the rest of the tight family. I think there were some similarities with the film, and I think there were some differences. Um, it's interesting because there's a lot of – I can relate emotionally with a lot of the themes, you know, this mother-daughter aspect of the movie – and yet our characters are very different, right? I'm not, I'm not Ladybird, and my mother was not her mother. Um, so in that way, it's different. I grew up very sheltered, so much so that I didn't even know how sheltered I was until I got away from it. And I didn't go far, but when I when I went to college, so I um, I grew up in a very mentally ill family, and I had this weird sort of attachment to my family. On the one hand. I wanted to go away because I wanted to experience some new things. On the other hand, my parents hadn't really taught me the skills to be independent. So even though I was independent minded, I didn't have the skills to be independent. Mm. So I was nervous about separating from them, even though I knew that I needed to. 
because yeah. I didn't believe what they believed. And, you know, our, our beliefs and our ideas about life were different. So I think my parents were very confused about my my wanting to get away. So my parents really wanted me to go to a Lutheran college, you know, close by. And I didn't want to. I mean, that was I, I wasn't even going to consider going to a Lutheran college for one, because I it wasn't so much that I was rebelling from them. It was that I um, I didn't believe what they believed in terms of religion. And so I didn't want to kind of fall into that. Um, on the other hand, I I also didn't really want to be too close to home. I didn't want to be somewhere where my parents could just show up on the weekend unannounced. I needed I needed some separation from them, but I was really nervous about going too far. Yeah. So I ended up going to a school that was about four hours drive away from my parents' house. Um it was a private university, but it was not religious based. And my parents were concerned. You know, they, I think the biggest thing for them, the biggest struggle that we had between us with my separation at that time was my pulling away from the church because they have a really, really strong faith. And it's gotten deeper over the years, even since then till now. And mine has not, right? So I always knew that I went through the motions growing up in that church, but I always knew from a pretty young age that I didn't necessarily believe what they believe. So that was probably the biggest conflict. Mm -hmm. But my mom and I had a very conflicted relationship. My mom was very depressed when I was growing up Mm -hmm. and she wasn't really a mother to me. I was the oldest of four kids and I had to take care of what I often unintentionally call my kids because I was the oldest and somebody had to take care of them. My mother was so depressed. She was in bed much of the time when we were growing up Mm -hmm. and my dad wasn't home much. Um, so we had this, it was interesting because one of my reactions to the film was this, even though Lady Bird and her mother had this really conflicted relationship, they had a relationship and I don't feel like I had a relationship with my mom at the Mm -hmm. time so much. My mom was very depressed. And so I think about the moments, like the moment when they're shopping for her prom dress, right. And they're in that thrift store. And they're arguing about something and her mother's being passive aggressive in a certain way, making a comment about how she's walking or something and she's being passive aggressive. And then immediately mom holds up this dress. That's the, the dress. Right. And, and she's like, and they can, can, they can shift into like having this connection. Like, Oh yeah, that's a perfect dress. So it's like the mother knows what the daughter wants, right? They have this kind of a connection in that way. So even though they're fighting and her mom's being passive aggressive, they have this relationship. So I felt envy in that way. Mm. I didn't have that with my, I didn't have that with my mother. Yeah. Um, so separating, it's an interesting concept for me to think about separate, you know, or like moving away or how my parents react or my mom reacted to that. Cause it was just very, I don't know what I was separating from something that didn't really exist. I don't know. Yeah. Is that odd? Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Definitely. And I'm also interested in, you talked about your dad not being around much. Mm-hmm. Is that was that because he was traveling for work or different things or was he just not really involved in your life or Yeah, he was not involved in my life. He um he did work a lot, but he was also very much he was an athlete, so he was very much into sports. He played mm-hmm. baseball and he played softball and he played basketball, so he was often doing those things. Um and he also um he was a recovered alcoholic. He stopped drinking when I was about seven or eight, I think. Um, he was just emotionally disengaged. I mean, my memories were that I would come home from school and he would be downstairs. If he was home, he'd be downstairs with the TV on watching sports or watching the news. Nobody could interrupt him. You know, my mom, if she made dinner, she'd call us to dinner or I would make dinner. 
Um, we would eat dinner without much conversation or much interaction. And then we'd go back to him watching TV. So he was present. He was definitely not, I mean, neither of my parents was very emotionally present, um, at that time. So, yeah. So that was another thing that, I mean, that's where some of the sadness for me watching the film comes in. Um, I didn't. Because Lady, Lady Bird has a relationship with her, with her dad. dad, and her dad is very sweet, right? Yeah. He's very present, and I was actually surprised later to, in the film to learn that he has depression, or he's been suffering from depression for a while because of the way that he's been able to be present with her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was one of the other feelings that came up, you know, that, that I was left with when I walked out was just feeling of, you know having a similar experience, but then also feeling envy in a certain way or sadness that I didn't have that, you know, with him, with my father. So, yeah. I think one of the things that the, the film does a good job of sort of showing is Lady Bird's relationship with her, her best friend Mm -hmm. who, you know, and that goes through a transition, like happens a lot in, in high school, in the teen years where you're really tight with somebody and you're tight with them for a long time. And then you kind of, get exposed to other people and you want to try to check that out. And sometimes that completely ends your relationship with the person that you were friends with and Mm -hmm. you never go back to that. And other times like the film did, it comes full circle. But I'm, I thought about that relationship because for lady bird, it's, it's really one of the few relationships where she can really be authentic Mm -hmm. and she feels a sense of camaraderie of being understood Mm -hmm. of uh, support um, did you have that kind of thing, even though things weren't really you, or you weren't being understood in your family, but were there other places where you were being understood to a certain extent, but not so much with my, not so much with my friends. It was more with, um, I mean, I certainly have, I certainly had friends in high school, but I mean, one thing that's, I think that's important is that Minnesota culture, people are just more, um, reserved Mm. you know there is a stoicism in the in the culture where people just don't express their feelings and um i think one of the thing you know that that was an overlay or underlay with my family dynamic right so i grew up in a family where people didn't engage and it, it didn't feel connected and i grew up in a culture where people are very polite but it's very superficial. So people don't connect. So I didn't really, I didn't learn the skills to connect with my friends in that way. And I think that, um, I don't know if I chose to be friends with people because it felt, because feeling emotion and expressing emotion felt unsafe to me. I didn't know how to do it. It It felt awkward. I didn't, I didn't know how to tell people that I cared about them. I didn't know how to have it. I didn't know how to argue with people. I didn't know how to feel, you know, I knew how to feel, but I didn't even know language for my feelings. So my friendships, I certainly have friends that I'm still in touch with from high school, but I, I wouldn't say I was as close with them in the same way that, you know, Lady Bird was with her friend. Um, but I certainly had, I had some adults in my life that I had that kind of a relationship with. And one of them was my grandmother, my mm-hmm. mother's mother. And I, um, we had a connection. It was almost more of an unspoken connection, but we, we did a lot together. We were engaged in a certain, my, my, my grandmother was very productive. She was a very busy person. And so I could connect with her in that way. And I knew that she cared about me because she took the time to teach me things. You know, she right. was always sewing or canning or whatever she did. You know, she was just the quintessential grandmother. Um, and then I had a couple of teachers. So I had a teacher all through high school that was my English teacher that I felt really connected to. So I felt like, I felt safe with him kind of expressing my, and it was a, he was my literate, you know, like my um, English lit 
teacher and he was also the, I was the editor of our literary magazine in high school. And so he was the advisor for that. So it was a safe space for me to kind of explore that. So I felt connected to him and there was another teacher. And then actually in my church, there was a woman who was the youth group leader that I had that connection with. So to, you know, so I had friendships, but not, yeah, I missed out on that too, that being able to express my feelings and connection with, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how to do it. You know, I grew up in a family that I didn't learn how to tell people that I cared about them or tell people that I was angry with them and have conversations or express my feelings. So, yeah. Yeah. And not only a family, but you talked about that being kind of pervasive in the culture. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of connected to Scandinavianism too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very much so. What I understand. Yeah. 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 I mean, people are friendly, right? I mean, if if you went to Minnesota and you went out to a bar or a restaurant or whatever, people are very friendly. Um, but it's very a very superficial kind of welcoming or conversation. You know, it just feels like you, you just know there's an air that you just know that there's a lot of emotion under the surface that people aren't talking about. And and you could feel it, right? For me, it was palpable, I think. And so I wanted to come somewhere. Like coming to San Francisco was a place where it was like there was just there's a lot more going on, you know, and people right. are much more a lot of diversity and people are much more out about whatever it was. So yeah. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways. You know, it's funny because as a contrast in some ways, I, I kind of grew up in the opposite kind of a family. I'm, I'm from, you know, I'm, I'm from a Cuban family, very Latino, very expressive, um, emotions on the sleeve. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a lot more common to scream and fight at each other and then make up than to hold those feelings down. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I grew up differently in the sense that I was someone that wasn't comfortable with all the screaming and the making up. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would prefer to just say, I'm going to disengage from that mm-hmm. and go quiet, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, which I'm still working through. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things that you said, it made me think of uh, the conversation where – Sister, uh, what's her name? Sister Sarah Joan, played by Lois Smith, does a great job. And uh, Lady Bird are, are talking in her office, and Sister Joan remarks about how she, uh, Lady Bird writes about Sacramento and that she must love it. And Lady Bird, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, says, "You know, I don't love it. I hate it." <laughs> uh, and Sister Rose says, "But you, you write about it so." specifically and ladybird says well i pay attention and the sister says don't you think maybe those are the same things love mm-hmm. and attention mm-hmm. and that really struck me and it i thought of that as you were talking about those nurturing situations mm-hmm. and relationships that you, that you did have mm-hmm. where those people paid attention mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and they they loved you in those kinds of ways mm-hmm. by paying attention to who you were and where you were at and and trying to make sense of that and befriend you and be yeah you. yeah definitely i that that line also stood out to me because i thought it was like a really great statement i think it's very true right we pay attention paying attention is both a way of showing care and love and it's also the it's also what you do when you love something you pay attention to it and um it was very clear to me it, it's interesting well there's another theme around like when Lady Bird goes on to college, right? And she, at the very end of the film, after she's getting out of the hospital, she's um, 
she goes to church, right? And she listens to the choir sing. And then she steps outside and she calls her parents. And it makes me think of that. Well, maybe it's not so much attention. It's, this is a little bit different, but it is like attending to the culture that you came from and like I have a different appreciation for the Midwest and for where I grew up now that I'm away from mm. it. Right. And yeah. I have a connection to it in a certain way. Like it feels comfortable. It feels safe in a certain way, even though it doesn't feel like where I want to be, I can go there and it feels like it's familiar. Right. And it's, and I know it. So it's interesting in that regard, like sort of that geography, but in terms of, yeah, paying attention to, to, people i think my grandmother was really it was really good at that she just um she was very attentive of whoever she was around and i think i learned i didn't you know the other thing is with my parents my mother was depressed i didn't know that my mom was depressed when i was growing up mm. i didn't know that was significantly different from other people's families yeah i mean i knew it was something different but um it wasn't until i was older that i started to experience other people's families. Like I would go visit my friends' families when I was in college and I started to see how they interacted and they would actually have conversations with each other. Right. So there was this attention and it was like, wow, people actually want to know what I have to say. You know, people want to hear how my day went or what I think about something or what's my opinion on something that's in the news. And that was kind of a new experience for me. So I do think that that's, yeah, I think attention is love, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that, in the film, Lady Bird comes to that realization about, I mean, that's the, the film kind of ends a little bit on an epiphany. I mean, mm-hmm. that's too strong a word, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, she has sort of a moment of realization. Appreciation. Yeah. Maybe. You know, I thought what I thought about a lot at the end of that movie and that resonated back throughout the movie for me after I realized it, it was, oh yeah, you know, you, that, that old adage is true. You know, you don't know what you have till it's gone. Mm-hmm. I think Lady Bird sort of realized that a little bit about, you know, Sacramento maybe wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Not that she longed to still be back there. Mm-hmm. I think she was very much, you know, feeling okay about her choice. Mm-hmm. But I also think that thought might have been creeping into her head about her mom as mm-hmm. well. And I think her mom, you know, in that scene where she drops her off at the airport and then she drives a loop and during that loop, you know, she comes to the realization, oh, my God, my, my daughter's actually She's leaving, leaving. And, mm-hmm. and I need to say something to mm-hmm. her. And she runs in and obviously Lady Bird's gone already. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's come to that kind of mm-hmm. realization of, of I didn't know how much I loved her until she was gone. I don't know. Maybe I'm putting words into Or maybe picture, she but. knew, but it's, you know, for me, the other thing, you know, another theme that was so prevalent was this um, both in my relationship with my mom and with my parents and in the movie was this sort of conflicted, um, you know, the love hate relationship, which is one thing, but this feeling of um, like, you know, the parents were trying to provide as much as they could for Lady Bird, right. They were doing their best. And then they have a daughter who not only she changes her name, right? She changes her name to change her identity because she doesn't want, you know, she wants a new identity. So I can imagine as a parent, you'd feel like, God, you know, you, you're so disgusted by where you're from that you need to change your name to try to change your identity on the one hand. And then you want to get out of here, right? So the parents are working as hard as they can to raise her in a certain way. And they probably feel really you know, just really sad and devastated that she's turning their back on them that way. And also just really resentful, you know, that she's not more grateful 
which I think is probably something that all, you know, 17 year olds yeah, are like, definitely. Um, but the, the, but the conflict most, around that too, right? Yeah. But the conflict <laughs> around that, I think, um, the mom, you know, and then the mom was passive aggressive. They're just like such, so many different emotions, right. Yeah. Going on. Um, yeah. And, and, and although the dad, even though, you know, he's dealing with depression in, at some level in some form, you know, throughout the film, I guess, you know, I think he's, he's much more present mm-hmm. to what's really happening. I mean, he recognizes that they're both so much alike mm-hmm. in a lot of ways yeah, and that too. he has to navigate his own relationship with each of them in kind of similar ways, mm-hmm. different, but similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's interesting too. And that he recognizes much earlier than his wife does how big a deal this is going to be for mm-hmm. his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh and that what he's going to need to do in order to step in there and mm-hmm. and make sure his wife's okay. <laughs> Even though she's the psych nurse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right? Physician, heal thyself, damn it. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about uh, that last scene where she goes into a church. And I just saw uh, a YouTube piece uh, earlier today. Uh, someone commenting on the film and it's, it's, it's spiritual connections for them. And uh, they really talked about that sort of being a moment of grace there at the end for lady bird, that she would say what she said to her mom on the voice message that she leaves uh, at her parents' phone, kind of a way of saying, I'm sorry. And I get it in a way that I maybe didn't a week ago or however long she's been there. And, and it was interesting that even though throughout the film, I mean, Lady Bird goes to a Catholic high school, but she's not a Catholic. She's not a practicing Catholic. She's there because it's a better school. And because her mom didn't want to go to the school where her brother (laughs) had to witness a a knifing in front of him, (laughs) which was a great scene. Um, But so it's it's not the story of Lady Bird, this religious girl, but it's a story of Lady Bird being around religious ritual and the notions of, I guess in the best sense of the word, really caring and loving religious people. It seems like the, you know, her drama coach, the uh, Sister Sarah Joan, the really loving people that take the moments to kind of really get to know her mm-hmm. and and really are interested in supporting her and choosing, you know, there, there could have been easy sort of punishments for the stupid things that uh, Lady Bird does uh, when she gets sent to the principal's office. But Sister Sarah is just cool and gets it and goes deeper. And so I think Lady Bird's living within this context of a spiritual community that she's getting nurtured by, even though she's not a believer, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And, and I found it really interesting that uh, there at the end of the film where she's driven towards a moment of enlightenment happens in a church in a way that she comes out of and, and is able to kind of extend grace to her mom mm-hmm. in ways that mm-hmm. uh, she hasn't been able to mm-hmm. before. So, so I, I don't know. I found that an interesting component of it all. I didn't, I didn't think of the movie as particularly spiritual, spiritual until I'd heard or read about that 
that sort of point of view from the commentary I saw today. The other thing that I that I reread today was a an interview with Greta Gerwig in which she said that she wondered what the saints were like as teenagers. <laughs> and that's interesting because I hadn't thought about Lady Bird as potentially a saint in training, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I could I could buy that. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got all the elements of of someone who's a good person mm-hmm. and who's sort of enlightened to the right things. She has a tough way of trying to figure out how to navigate that as a 17-year-old. Who doesn't? I certainly did. But uh, but I have great hope for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I never mm-hmm. felt like I didn't like her or that, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, this crazy kid, what is she doing? There was always a sense of, yeah, this is just what it's like to try to figure out who you are and who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I was always, you know, it was interesting. I was always surprised by, I always wondered if there was some, something that happened before the movie with her because her mother was so hard on her in a certain way. You know, just the comment about you're going to end up in jail. You know, you go to the city college and then you end up in jail and then you can come back to city college. It was like, where is this coming from? And I don't know if that was just her expressing her resentment that her daughter wasn't more grateful for what she had. And certainly the frustration, the normal frustrations of raising a 17-year-old, of course, but still. But early on, you know, when she said that early on in the film, I thought, well, we're going to find out that, you know, Lady Bird's done something pretty horrendous or something, you know, and that never happened. So, yeah, I think, you know, she seems like a normal teenager in a certain way, but I do think that she's she's curious, right? And she's, um, she's open to engaging with the people that are providing her with this caring and this compassion that she needs, you know? Yeah. That scene with um, the sister is really, is really great. Cause she, you'd, you'd think she's going to be all stern and she's like, no, I've been married, you know, the one for, I've been married to Jesus for 40 years. Right? <laughs> right. She's, it's just like, okay, you know, like, let me, let me actually educate you about what the reality is. Right. right. So she, she shows a lot of grace in that scene too. So, yeah. Yeah. I love how she doesn't react in sort of a knee jerk kind of, I can't believe you did that to my car kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. She was like, no, I thought it was funny. <laughs> but let me tell you something. She totally humanizes it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, so the, the comment about the spirituality, though, too, is interesting because I, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like all of life is a spiritual journey, right? And so, and if you think of spiritual outside of the religious context, I mean, including the religious con- context, but even beyond that. It's but not just, limited to Yeah, that. it's yeah. about, you know, how people relate to each other and how you move through the world and how you connect with people and how, you know, how we forgive each other. Um, and I think that, you know, that was also, I mean, the fact that the, that the the dad had taken all those crumpled up letters and sent them to her and she read them and you know, the statement like your mother, don't tell your mother because she didn't want you to see maybe if she made mistakes with her writing. It's like being human, right? And 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 there is a toughness in high school where you're trying to prove yourself. And obviously the mother had some ego around something too, right, that she was defended against. But at some point, you know, in the film and in life, you get to a point where you're like, you know, this is what makes us human and connected is these quirky experiences and the ability to forgive people for you know, for being human, really, yeah. you know, so, yeah, but, you know, I, and I also think that the church scene where she goes into the church and listens to the choir at the end, it reminded me, so I, 
one of the things that I thought about Lady Bird was I actually gave her a lot of credit for coming to that reality, like coming coming back so quickly at the end of the movie after she's just gone off to college and real, you know, kind of whatever that realization was or that that appreciation, that connection with Sacramento and with home and with, um, you know, the religion that she was raised in, um, that she came to that so quickly because I came to that much later in life. Right. Again, it kind of is that connection to things that remind you of home. Um, but they're also comforting in a certain way because they're familiar, but they're also unspoken emotions maybe under there. Right. So the church might remind her another thing that came up throughout the film was different people trying to convince her, but your mother really loves you. Or she would say that too, right? right? My mother really loves me. She's really hard on me because she loves me. I don't know that she really believed that she was probably, to me, it seemed like she was saying that trying to convince herself of that when she was talking to other people. But at some point I think you realize that there's a tension. That's a tension, right? Her mother is hard on her in a certain way because she does care about her probably. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, what's, what's the quote that, uh, uh, one of her boyfriend talks about uh, she he sorts of mentions to her that her mother is is uh, warm but scary at the same time, right? And she's, <laughs> she's like she's like you can't be warm but scary at the same time, and he's like yes you can your mother is, <laughs> um, and she was she was right? yeah um, yeah, and I've met people like that. I mean I've seen people in the real world world like that. Um, uh, that that have a warmth and a and a bedrock human decency to them, but but they're sort of acting out in ways sometimes where you're you're just like, wow, that's a scary way to act out. But you know, underneath it, the intention is yeah. a good intention. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? We're all yeah. we're all in some stage of brokenness, mm-hmm. and working ourselves through it. We hope, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I can encounter a person as warm and broken at the same (laughs) time and had that not be a contradiction, I think. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I know people can encounter me that way. (laughs) I hope it's not a contradiction. (laughs) Um, Well, you just said something that, that sort of sparked me a little bit. Uh, You know, Lady Bird came to her realization pretty quickly Mm And you said you didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly, I didn't either. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm not sure I had anything like an epiphany that I did. I mean, I, I think as a teenager, all of us are pretty self-centered and so narcissistic and self-focused that it's hard to even see your parents as human beings. They're just authority figures mm-hmm. that you're rebelling against at some point. That rebellion can be pretty passive or can be pretty aggressive, but Either way, you're you're trying to differentiate yourself, and that's a healthy developmental thing. But it isn't until later now. It certainly wasn't until my twenties that I realized, oh, my parents, you know, are real human beings with their own set of stuff that they're working through for mm-hmm. each of them, mm-hmm. and and I don't need to sort of define them by uh, my small set of criteria based on me. I need to be much more expansive with that set of criteria that it's really about stuff that they're going through that has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Again, not because I had an epiphany about it, but I came to that realization over a course of time. It's just maturity, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Did, did you come to some sort of moment or was it more gradual for you too? 
Oh, it was definitely more gradual. Yeah, I would say it's interesting because that is something that I was thinking about in the movie when her mother says, you know, they're arguing, I think, in her bedroom and her mother says something like, um, well, my, my mother was a drunken alcoholic or, you know, was a, an abusive alcoholic. And it's a reminder. Yeah, it's a good reminder that that and other other aspects of the family. Right. When when um, Lady Bird finds out later in the film that her father's been depressed for all that time. Right. That her mother's dealing with a lot more than she actually recognizes. Her mother accuses her of being self-centered, which, you know, I think goes with the territory of being 17 years old. But it's also, you know, her mother and her father chose not to share his, you know, his depression for whatever reason. So yes, I would say I came to it. I mean, I always, I always felt a connection with my parents as much. I I always wanted, I wanted to have a connection and I had something of a connection, but I wanted more, but because of the, you know, the depression and the anxiety and the alcoholism in my family, it was, you know, it was impossible to connect with them. And I didn't have the skills at a certain age, but, through my own therapy, I got to the point where I was able to really to appreciate that my parents did the best they could. Right. And it was, it wasn't great. There was a lot of room for improvement, but they did the best they could. Right. So I can have a lot of, I can have a lot of forgiveness for them and compassion for them. And I learned more about their backgrounds. Right. And so, you know, I realized like my dad, my dad's dad was also an alcoholic and my dad's actually stopped drinking and he hasn't had a drink for now. He drinks occasionally, but he, you know, he, that's something that he didn't drink for 20 years probably. So he's really addressed that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can have a lot more compassion when I actually was able to look beyond my own experience of them and my own, you know, feeling of being neglected or whatever I was feeling at the time. And realizing, yeah, they have their own stuff, right? It's not just what I see or not just what I, how I'm interacting with them. They've got other things going on as well. Um, you know, and then she says, you, you know, you're so selfish. You only think about yourself. You never think about anybody else. Um, I mean, that's part of that developmental phase too. But yeah, when you can have a more expansive view and kind of see people. And it's also being able to see people in that comp you were saying earlier right in that complex way right yeah. like you're human you're not perfect i can love you even when you can be an asshole at times or you can be distant or you can be mean or whatever being able to kind of hold that complexity i think that comes i, I just think that comes with age and experience yeah. yeah so yeah so i would say my my relationship with my parents now is still pretty conflicted right i love my yeah. parents i know they did the best they could Um, it's still difficult to connect with them at times because they still are stuck in a certain way. Um, but I have a lot more, you know, I hold them with a lot more care than I used to be able to. And I've done a lot of my own work, so that helps. But yeah. Yeah. And I, I I was thinking ahead to, to maybe a, a final question here, if you will. And I always try to think of, okay, if a movie's impacted me in a certain kind of way and if the themes in it have touched me somehow, does that mean a different set of actions for me or or how will I work that out in a way that's tangible rather than just appreciative, right? So I I walk away from this film sort of trying to hold on to that sense of grace for other people mm-hmm. uh, that are going through their own stuff that I might be blind to or only peripherally seeing uh, and not let myself judge too strongly or certainly harshly 
in light of that limited view. And I mean, you know, that's going to be a lifelong work in progress, but, but that's something that I'm taking away from the film. What about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that same thing, you know, like I always appreciate films like this and then explore the, the relationship between parents and children because it, it's an opportunity because it, it touches me, you know, kind of at a core level because of my own experience um, as a way of reminding me to be gentle with each other. But my parents were out for the holidays. My mother was here in October for a week. And then my, both of my parents were out at Thanksgiving and it was challenging in certain ways. We still have challenges being around each other, right? We're still very different people. I'm a very different person than the rest of my family. Yeah. My political beliefs, my religious beliefs, you know, the way that I live my life, my friends, the people that I choose to befriend, um, how I spend my time, my, you know, we have, but but we have similar values. I was going to say values, but that's actually probably the one thing we have similar values, same values in a certain way. So I was put, I realized I put a lot of pressure on myself to spend time with my parents. And of course that's important in a certain way, but um, one of the things that's been really great with technology is that I've realized I can kind of connect with my parents even more meaningfully at a distance, you know, over by text or by phone or by email. Um, Cause there's not maybe that emotional, com- you know, that, that, that emotional combativeness that can come up in the conflict in the way that we are, if we spend too much time together, you mm-hmm. know, if, so at, over Thanksgiving, we were together for like four days, five, no, actually six days kind of nonstop. And it, it's you are tough. Pushing the limits there. Again. Well, it's tough when you can't like I feel like I can't be myself. They probably mm. feel like they can't be themselves. We yeah. can't talk about politics. We can't talk about what's in the news, right? So that's tough. And then I feel guilty, feel all that. So but I have realized that I can connect with my parents in other ways, right? Um around like for instance, I have two nieces, one is seven and one is ten. And I just saw another movie that I really enjoyed, the movie Coco, and I thought oh my gosh, my, let me share this with my parents because they probably haven't seen this movie. They would love it and they can take my nieces. So I bought them a gift certificate to go to the movies and take my nieces to the movies. And my my mom just wrote back today and said they saw it and they really enjoyed it. So it's this way that we can share. It's like, oh, they're going to like that movie. We can connect about that, right? As opposed to, I don't know. So I'm trying to figure out ways because I feel guilty if I'm not with them, sure. like, with them, right? But so. But you're definitely finding ways. I mean, that's a great example of a way to to sort of have a relationship with them that's still meaningful and deep and, and important, mm-hmm. but different. And that doesn't trigger some of those same, you know, I mean, you can't help it completely. Right. Right. Um, so there's always going to be the need to, to have some space and to appreciate where the differences are. Um, but yeah, trying to find ways to appreciate the things that I can appreciate about them and that they can appreciate about me. Right. And the ways that we are, that we can connect around our values or that we can connect around certain things. So, yeah. yeah. Cause I think, you know, I've always believed and I still believe that um, if, if I sit down with somebody, even somebody who on the surface looks or seems very, very different from me, if I have a real conversation, if I can have a conversation with that person, I could find something that I have in common with that person. And so I think that guides a lot of the way that I, that I try to be in the world. Um, is really trying to connect, not super, not superficially, right? right. Getting out of the Midwest, getting out of Sacramento right. in that way, right. you know, getting metaphorically deeper. or not, yeah. but yeah, trying to, trying to connect with somebody on a deeper level. Yeah. yeah. You can find that commonality. So far, I haven't, I don't think I've met anybody that I can't, right? Cool. So we'll see. 
<laughs> well, thanks so much for uh, sharing time with us, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank it's you for inviting me. It's been a great me. conversation. Yeah. Hey, thanks again for listening to the first episode of the CineSoul podcast. I hope you come back for more each month. If you want to reach out to me with comments or questions, you can email me at usher at cinesoul.com. That's U-S-H-E-R at C-I-N-E-S-O-U-L dot com. This episode of CineSoul was produced and edited by Ben Helms, who also wrote and produced our theme. Thank you, Ben. CineSoul is hosted by the Overthink Podcast Network, which publishes a multitude of podcasts diving deep into arts, media, and culture. You can reach them, and I urge you to do so at overthinkpod.com. There's a lot of great content there. Check it out. Well, thanks again for listening. I hope you get to see some great movies out there, and see you next time.